Hello everyone. It's so good to see you. I'm glad that you came back and joined me. Um, it's all fall now, so I've got my pumpkins out and just enjoying the cooler weather. How about you? Well, we talked last week about following Jesus and I just uh, want to encourage you all to follow Jesus. Um, it's such a, he's such a wonderful person to follow. You know, as Christians, we're called Christians and that means Christ followers. So we're followers of Christ. But what what does that really mean? Is it just kind of like a, a term that we use that doesn't really mean anything? Or what does it mean? Well, it means being a Christian or a Christ follower Follower means to imitate him, to live like him, to think like him, to talk like him, to act like him, to have his heart, his vision, his goals, and to hold on to his teachings. So as Christ followers, as Christians, we're to hold on to him, cling on to him, and believe what he believed, and do do what he did, and act like he act, acted. So, you know, I think in every Christian's heart, they have a desire to follow Jesus Christ, or they wouldn't call themselves Christians. They, we all have a, a strong desire to follow Jesus Christ. But the problem comes is when we actually have to do it, <laughs> our own desires often get in the way. It's kind of like... Um, the strong, heartfelt desire we have to get in shape and to eat right and everything, but then when the pizza comes in front of us or the ice cream, you know, it's the desire kind of, you know, is maybe not as strong as it was. So making a desire uh, reality is, is harder than just having that desire, right? <laughs> but in this series, I'm going to talk about Jesus, the person that we're following, the wonderful Godhead, God that we're following this wonderful Savior, uh, to get a clearer picture of who we are following and a clearer picture of uh, following Jesus in our own lives. So I encourage you, to, I started last week, I encourage you to check out last week's in case you missed it. So Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. Um, as Christians, if we're Christ followers, we follow Jesus. We follow what he did. We follow what he says. We follow the way he acted. We follow Jesus. You know, Christians are called God's sheep in scripture. We are God's sheep. We hear his voice and we follow him. Jesus said in Luke 640, in Luke 640, he said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So if Jesus is our teacher, as he's training us, we'll become more and more and more like him. Isn't that an awesome, awesome, awesome thing? You know, <clears throat> in, in learning about Jesus, he teaches us through his word. And God's word has a wonderful ability to change you and mold you and shape you into, into what God wants you to be. So today we're going to talk about one part of the life of Jesus that we follow. And it's that we follow him in the way he was obedient and submissive to God, his father. Jesus was obedient. He was submissive to the will of his father. As I've said many times over the years, we can't know what it truly means to follow Jesus and, um, learn about him without knowing the word of God, the Bible, especially the New Testament. 
You know, we have got to, we've got to study this thing. We've got to know about it. We've got to learn what it says, especially the New Testament. If we don't know the word of God, we can come up with things like, you know, well, let's just be sure to follow our own heart or live our own truth or let's just make sure that we're doing what makes us happy or we need to be sure to fulfill our own dreams in our life. But these inspirational sayings, you know, they sound really, really good. But if you look at it, they're totally and completely opposite of following Jesus. So I want to question, ask you a question today. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Or have you decided to live your own truth or do what makes you happy or follow your own heart? So let's look at how Jesus lived in his obedience to the Father and his, submiss his submission to the will of the Father. I'm going to be reading out of Luke uh, 2, Luke chapter 2, verse 21, Luke 2, 21. And this starts out when Jesus was very young. <clears throat> Luke uh, 2, 41, it says, Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, he, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were not aware of it. So his parents didn't know where he was. They were traveling a great big group of people. Many were relatives, and they just probably assumed he was with the group with relatives. So uh, Mary and Joseph went back to Jerusalem to look for Jesus, and it said they found him three days later. That's a long time listening to the teachers. And in verse 48, it says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And you can understand what any parent, they would be really anxious and freaked out and worried and concerned. And Jesus said, why were you searching for me? He asked, Did, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Verse 51, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. So Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Son of God, was obedient to his parents. Jesus was also obedient to his heavenly Father. In John 5, verse 30, John 5, verse 30, this is in the New American Standard. Usually I use the NIV, but this is in the New American Standard. It says, John 5.30, it says, I can do nothing of my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus is saying here that he's not doing what he wants to do. He's not doing his own will, his own plan. He's doing the plan of his heavenly Father. And we need to strive to be like that. In John 14.31 John 14, 31, Jesus said, But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So we see again, Jesus is telling people that he's submissive to the Father. He obeys the Father. He follows the Father's plan. He's not there to do his own thing, his own plan. And when we're here on this earth, if we're followers of Jesus, we need to have that same attitude that we're following Jesus we're doing what he tells us to do. In the words of Jesus, I love the Father. This is what I want to say. I love the Father and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. I uh, 
I would want so much for that to be a reality in my life every moment of every day. And, you know, um, you know, we think that Jesus, you know, he is God. It, it was just all a piece of cake for him. Um, you know, it wasn't, it was very, very difficult for Jesus to submit his will to the father because it meant, uh, suffering. It meant a great, great deal of suffering. It meant rejection. It meant that he was going to be physically tortured and killed and he was going to be separated uh, from his father, you know, being a sin offering. It was very, very, very difficult. And we see that in Hebrews 5, 7. Hebrews 5, 7 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. We see in this scripture, we see he had reverent submission and Jesus learned obedience. And one of the ways he did it is with prayers and petition and loud cries and tears. It was a struggle. It was a very, very, very hard struggle. And you know, a lot of times we really struggle in uh, submitting our will to the will of the Father and obeying him. You know, when we want to say something nasty about somebody or we want to eat that, you know, fifth pizza piece of pizza or when we want to uh, cheat on our taxes or you know, there's all, you know, all kinds of things that people are tempted with and it can be a real, real, real struggle uh, for our flesh, for our own desires to follow the will of the Father. And if we follow Jesus' Jesus's example, we can see that to get in line with God's word and get in line with his plans, it can take a lot of crying and tears and tearing away of the flesh in prayers and petitions, you know, God, I don't want to do this, but help me to do what you want me to do. And he will help you. He will help you learn to be obedient. And, you know, we, we all, we're all human beings. We all mess up. And, and what is so wonderful is the wonderful mercy and grace of God. He said in his word that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to uh, forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we know that we all fall in many ways and God is there to help us and forgive us. But our, our, our uh, desire and our goal should always be obedience to the word of God. We see this also in uh, with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was getting ready to do the most difficult thing that any person on this earth has ever done. And it was very, very difficult for him. In Luke twenty two thirty nine. Luke twenty two thirty nine. it says, Jesus went out, went out as usual to the Mount, Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours, yours be done. See, Jesus was, didn't want to do this. You know, he didn't want to do this. But even more than his own desire not to do this and not to have to go through this, he submitted himself to the will of the Father. And he said, not my will, but yours be done. And uh, 
I'm so thankful that he did that. I'm so thankful that he did that. In verse 43, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, Jesus was in absolute and total anguish more than we could ever think or imagine. He prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So Jesus was in great, great torment. It was very, very difficult for him. We can't even, can't even comprehend what Jesus was going through. But in the midst of all that, he said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was learning to, was submitting his will to the will of the Father and following what he wanted done. He was obedient to him. Then we see in Matthew 26, verse 50, we're still in the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, the soldiers were coming forward to arrest Jesus. It says, then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Jesus said, put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think that I cannot call on my father and he will, we, he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scripture be fulfilled that says it must happen this way? So one of Jesus' disciples was trying to give Jesus a way out of completing God's plan for, for our salvation. But Jesus refused the easy way out. Jesus also let us know right here that he had a way out. He could ask the Heavenly Father. Um, it says right here, uh, he could call upon his Heavenly Father and his heavenly father could put at his disposal more than 12 legions of angels. Jesus had a way out. Jesus had a way out. But he had just gotten done saying, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was obedient and submissive. In Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus was ultimately obedient he became, uh, he took on the nature of a servant. He was serving his heavenly father. He was serving his heavenly father. And in doing that, he was completely and totally obedient to him, even to the point that he was going to suffer death. And it wasn't like suffering death with a heart attack or a car accident or, you know, being shot. It was a long, terrible, terrible, gruesome, horrible death in a death in which the sins of all mankind were placed on him. He suffered uh, He suffered the punishment for all of them. We can't even imagine what he went through. But he did it for us, and he did it in submission and obedience to his Father. And that's the kind of obedience that God is asking of us. John 10, 17 says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. So Jesus, again, is reemphasizing that what he does, he does because his Father told him to do it. 
And he is saying that that's an expression of love that he has toward the Lord, toward his Father. And when we're obedient to, to God, um, we're showing him that we love him. You know, and Jesus said, um, I believe it's in the Gospel of John, that if you love me, keep my commandments. So if we're Christ followers and if we love the Lord, evidence of that is that we keep his commandments. John 12, 49 says, For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So this is a good, you know, good thing to check ourselves on. You know, are we saying what the Father wants us to say? Um, what we say, are, are our words seasoned with love and grace and mercy? Are we snippety and, and judgmental and, and cruel with our words? Are we harsh and angry? Are we walking in love? And we, if we're followers of Jesus, we'll not speak on our own accord, but um, speak what the Father wants us to say. In uh, Matthew twelve fifty, it says, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Or in other words, if we do the will of the Father in heaven, we are a Christ follower. So I ask you again, are you following Jesus Christ? We have learned today that following Jesus means obeying him and his word, being submissive to him. Um, it reminds me of the famous psalm um, for those who are following Jesus Christ as chief, chief shepherd. In Psalm uh, 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is my shepherd. Is he yours? I want to ask you that today. Is Jesus Christ your shepherd? If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've never trusted him to forgive your sins, I encourage you to do that today. Become a Christ follower. What Jesus calls us to do is repent of our sins. That means that we're sorry for our sins. We want to turn our life around, turn our life over to the Lord, and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I encourage you to do that today. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, next week, we'll learn something else wonderful about Jesus, that, that uh, it's just such a blessing to be a Christ follower and follow the way that he is. So I will see you next week, and I encourage you to listen on Sunday for Pastor Terry's message, next message on prayer. Bye-bye.